As you know, the book of Acts is a storybook. It's narrative. It tells us the birth of the church, and, and Luke includes many, many stories in there, but not nearly as many as he could. If you study narrative literature and how it's written, you know that the narrator is doing something with the narrative. They select certain events and describe them. They select certain people, and they say certain things about those people, and they leave people out, and they leave events out, and they leave uh, specifics about those people and events out. So they're creating a story for a reason. And as you read the book of Acts, you find out that there's a light motif that runs through the book of Acts, and, and uh, as, as Luke wrote it, because there was a, a theme there, there was a concept there that he knew was essential for us to understand if we are understand the church and understand what Jesus did and what God is doing with this thing that we refer to as church. So before we get into uh, Paul's description of the church in, in the book of Ephesus, I, I want to just look at a couple of those stories that Luke told. In Acts chapter 10, he tells a story about a Roman centurion named Cornelius, a Gentile, centurion, Roman. And, and Cornelius had a group in his house that was seeking after God. And, and so an angel came to him and said, Cornelius, I appreciate your faithfulness. This isn't exactly what the angel said. I'm making this part of it. He said this, but not in these words. All right. Anyway, you get it. Uh, angels don't talk like that. They talk in a different language. But uh, he said, Cornelius, I get it. And I appreciate your faithfulness. And, and you need help. You need direction in this seeking after me because there's a whole new thing going on with this guy named Jesus. So I want you to send to, uh, to Caesarea and ask for a guy named Peter. Peter was one of Jesus' apostles, and he will come and explain this gospel to you. Okay? Then Luke shifts the story over to Peter in Caesarea. And Peter's up on the roof, and it's lunchtime, and he's hungry, and, and uh, he has this vision of a sheet coming down from heaven. And the sheet opened up, and there are all kinds of foods in there. Crawdaddies, and lobster tails, and pork chops, and all kinds of stuff that Jews aren't supposed to eat. And a voice from heaven case said, Peter, take and eat. And Peter said, ha ha, not me, Lord. I am a good Jewish boy. I have never eaten unclean food, and I'm not going to start now. Whoa. Well, the sheet came down a second time, vision came down a second time. Same deal. Pork chops, crawdaddies, open up, eat these things. Peter said, uh-uh, no way. That had three, and then a third time. And right after the third time, there's a knock on the door, and it's the messengers from Cornelius, the Gentile people, asking Peter to come and explain the gospel to them. And that those three visions of God saying to Peter, I want you to get outside of these strict Jewish laws because I'm asking you to do something that violates the Jewish law. I'm asking you to go to the Gentiles. And when Peter got to Cornelius' house, he said to Cornelius, you know it's illegal for me as a Jew to enter your house. I'm supposed to have nothing to do with you. But God has showed me that this is what I ought to do. So Peter went in, he preached the gospel, he told them about Jesus. Cornelius and his family accepted Jesus, and there was this great 
this great miracle thing, this thing that happened to demonstrate, to prove to Peter and to Cornelius that this was the real deal. Well, Peter's all excited, so he goes back to, the, back to Jerusalem, and he's telling the Jewish leaders about the Jewish Christian leaders, and they took his hide off and said, how dare you take this to the Gentiles? This isn't for the Gentiles. This is for us. And so Luke tells us in chapter 11, tells us the whole story again about the sheet coming down. It, and, and, and the reason he repeated it twice is that his early readers needed this thing to be repeated because it was unbelievable that God would let Gentiles join the Jews in this Christian thing. And then in Acts 22, we read another story, similar but different. It's about Paul, after Paul's three missionary journeys, where he went around the Roman Empire telling Gentiles about Jesus and planting these churches all over the place, Galatia, Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Corinth, Ephesus, all these places where, Peter, where Paul went. And so after his third missionary journey, he came back to Jerusalem, and we pick up the story in Acts 21. Uh, the, some of the Jews had seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, in the city with Paul and assumed that Paul had brought this Gentile into the temple. They were furious. They had Paul arrested. They were so angry they were going to kill him. And so the Roman soldiers came and they actually arrested Paul and carried him out of there so that the Jews wouldn't tear him limb from limb. And so before they took him inside, Paul asked the Roman commander, can I address the people? I'd like to tell the people what's going on. And so he said, yeah, go ahead. And when they, Luke 22 says, uh, Acts 22 says, when the Jews heard Paul speak to them in Aramaic in their own tongue, they became very quiet and they listened to Paul. And Paul told them his story about he was persecuting the church and he was locking Christians up and putting them in prison and putting death sentences on them because they were abandoning Judaism and going to this heretic named Jesus. And on his way to Damascus, he had this vision of Jesus. And Paul himself, the great enemy of the church, said, I got to believe this. And Paul became a follower of Jesus. Not only a follower, but Paul, the great persecutor of the church, became the great missionary for the church, planting these things all over. And people are like, it's a very interesting story. And so the people were listening, and Paul, at the end of his story, said, I, I was in the temple, and the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. This is the end of Paul's speech. The crowd, the Jewish crowd, listened to Paul up until that point. Then, when he said this, they raised their voices and shouted, rid the earth of him, he's not fit to live. As they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air. <laughs> Think these people were a bit ticked off? They were throwing dirt in the air, throwing off their coats. They were furious. Why? Because the Gentiles have no part in this. This is our thing. And that continues on through the early days of the planting of Christianity. Because for centuries, the Jews had owned God by his design. He gave them four covenants to emphasize that there is a special relationship between God and the Jews. 
And the only way a Gentile could come to God was to convert and become a Jew. Circumcision and all. And now this guy Paul is out there telling people, you don't need to be circumcised. It's a free gift. Floyd talked about that last week. By grace you are saved through faith. Not by works, not by keeping the law, not by a bunch of rituals. It's a gift of God. A free gift of God. By asking Jesus to forgive our sins, he says, I forgive your sins and I enter into a personal relationship with you. What a beautiful story. Now we go to the book of Acts and to Acts chapter 2 where we read about this church. Paul had planted the church in Ephesus. He lived in Ephesus for three years during his uh, uh, third missionary journey. And, and now he's in prison. We read in chapter 22 where Paul was arrested by the Romans and, and he ended up in Rome in prison. And he's writing this letter to the Ephesian church from prison. Is this making sense? Are you tracking that? Okay. And so in chapter 2, verse 11, Paul said that God made unity possible between the most diverse people we can imagine. Now, chapter 1, Paul said God established unity between the two most diverse beings you can imagine. He explained how God, holy God, and sinful people could be in a relationship with each other. Pretty fantastic that you and I can have a personal relationship with the living God. And Paul elaborated on that in chapter 1 and then chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Beautiful story. And now he's talking about as individuals come to Christ, as individuals become Christian, they enter into this assembly, into this thing called the church. God has established peace between Jews and Gentiles. That this church, this, this body that we enter into includes not just Jews and not just Gentiles, but both. Listen to what Paul said. Paul is writing now, the Ephesians primarily were Gentiles, and so Paul is writing to them as Gentiles. Therefore, remember, this is uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Remember that formerly, you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcision, uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. You excluded from citizenship in Israel. You were foreigners to the covenants of the promise. You were without hope. You were without God. You were in the world. So all that language, Paul is saying, you Gentiles, it's all you characterized yourself in relationship to Jews as being distant, as being outside, separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenant of promise, without hope, without God in the world. Then in verse 13, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Wow. So your whole sense of who you were, you were outsiders, you had nothing to do with God. But now, and Paul, this is, Paul has explained all this in these earlier chapters, but now, because of Jesus Christ, and he came to save 
the world, not just the Jews. But he came to save Gentiles too. And so you who were, everything was about you being separate and excluded and not apart, and now you're invited in. Because God himself established peace between Jews and Gentiles. Verse 14, Paul said, for, for Jesus himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. He's saying all of those laws that the Jews were keeping and you guys didn't understand, all the things that gave Jews the pride of possession, it's gone. It's not about laws. It's not about rituals. It's not about things you guys don't understand. It's a very simple gospel. And so you're invited in because Jesus is our peace. He made the two groups, the Jews and the Gentiles, one. His purpose, verse 15 and 16, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Now here's the deal. Back in the days, if you would ask a Gentile, Describe the world's population. What's out there? He'd say, well, there are Babylonians, there are Syrians, there are Jews, there are Persians, there are Malachites, there are Midianites, all these ites, parasites. If you ask a Jew, you say, tell us about the world's population. You say, there are Jews and there are Gentiles. Lots of different kinds of Gentiles, but there are really only two kinds of people on the earth. Two kinds of people, us and them, Jews and Gentiles. And that was by God's design. And he said, now Gentiles can become Jews and have a relationship with God, but they've got to come through us. We own it. It's all about us. So you can understand how revolutionary this would be to a Jew to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile Jew and Gentile to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. So to the Jews, there were two kinds of people only. Now, Paul in 1 Corinthians added a third group. He said, give no offense either to Jews or to Gentiles, or to the church of Christ. But Paul said, now there are three groups of people. They're still Jews, and they're still Gentiles, but out of the Jewish population, and out of the Gentile population, God has called people who have accepted him as their Savior and their Lord, and they've become part of this thing, this body called church. And that's us. That's us. And our commission is to invite Jews and Gentiles to come into the church by becoming Christian. God made peace. That's the part of his ultimate purpose. 
is to reconcile all things unto Christ in one body. To realize, to make real this connection of the imago Dei, the image of God that's in each of us. Whether you're Jew or Gentile or Arab or doesn't matter. We are all one in Christ. He says, verse 19, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. It's pretty amazing. Let me read what I said earlier. Church is the place where anyone can find love, peace, acceptance, community, help, and purpose. In Colossians, Paul wrote about the church, what we opened with here in the church, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people. Interesting, isn't it? The Jews always said, we are God's chosen people. Now Paul uses that language in reference to this Jew-Gentile amalgam called the church. Therefore, as God's people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any one of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. That's how the church relates with other members of the church. And this isn't just this, this congregation. It is this congregation. But it's about the church universal. Because we have all kinds of different churches. Up the street, we've got the bells and smells. Down the street, you've got the happy, clappy bunch. We're Presbyterian. We're sort of in the middle. We kind of like them both, and we don't want too much of either. Does that mean they're wrong and we're right? I mean, no. No. God says, within this body of Christ... You've got all kinds of different people. You've got ethnicities. You've got different education levels. You've got different income levels. You've got different ways of thinking. You've got Republicans and Democrats. Yeah, really. And, and it all comes together. And, 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 and it's one body in Christ. This is, yeah, you kind of say, I get this. But for these people at this time, it would be almost like going to Alabama in the 70s. And saying, you black and white church, you guys got to have one church. You got to get together. Or going to Ireland and saying, you Protestants and Catholics who are believers, you got to work it out. Got to be together. And you're going to find people right in this church who will aggravate you. Look around. <laughs> find them. <laughs> yeah. Paul says, get over it. Get over it. Deal with it. I love that Colossians passage. We're not identified by what separates us. We're identified by what brings us together. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. 
but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. I was here yesterday at 4 o'clock for a wedding. As I stood up here, over here were the Castillo family. All Mexican. Family, friends. They looked like they were Mexicans. Because they were. And it was cool. And over here was the Bun family. Bunch of Anglos. Whiteies. And they looked like it. Because they were. And I looked up here and I thought, hmm, look at this one. Over here, you got this one. That kind of looks like churches today. People said the most segregated hour in America is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. And it's okay. We have different styles of worship. But in our hearts, we need to say, it's okay. And you know what happened after the, we did the wedding and the bride and groom went up there? And, and I said the prayer. And you know what happened right down here? These folks and these folks, they all just started mixing together. And they started laughing, and they're having fun. And they're up here taking pictures. And you've got the Bun family over here, and the Castillo family. And then you've got them moving around, and you've got all the little kids. And you got the... It was beautiful. It was beautiful. I said, that's the church. You can be who you are, and you can be who you are, but we can be together in the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's don't have our churches be this way all the time. Let's make it be like after the ceremony and we get together. And, we, and then they all went out and partied together. And I went home and went to bed. <laughs> but Paul, it, 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 he says, this, this, you are no longer strangers, but you're fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, this whole building is fitted together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. Now, there's a fascinating word there. It's only used two times in the whole New Testament. It's translated here, joined together, but the real word is fitted together. And it also occurs in, in Ephesians 4, where it talks about the, the church with all of its different skills and ministries and personalities fitting together. Fitting. And the reason I'm making such a big deal about that word is uh, the first summer after Jeanette and I were married, I, I, I couldn't afford to be a lifeguard anymore. I had to get a real job for that summer. I was still in college. And I, I went to work on a masonry crew. And, and I was a hod carrier. You mix cement and you supply bl bricks or blocks to the, uh, to the mason while he's doing a thing. And, and uh, so uh, there were two hod carriers to each mason. And so we were working away, and I did that. And one morning, I showed up for work, and the mason, the, the foreman came and said, Al, I want you to go build a rock wall today. So pick a hod carrier to go with you, and you guys go, and they got this thing. So he asked me to pick me, and so we went, and, and instead of building with bricks or blocks, he's building with rocks, with stone. They can go real fast with bricks and blocks, because they're all the same. And you just slap the mud on there, slap the mud on there, you go down there, you build a, a, a front or a fireplace, you can do that pretty fast. But with a rock wall, it's not all little square things. Every rock is different. 
And so Al and I would search for just the right rock that would fit. That wall had to be fitted together. And sometimes there'd be a rock, I'd say, boy, that would fit right there, but it's got that little thing up there. And so he said, take the hammer, and I'd be whacking away and whack that little thing off, and then it would fit right in there. And that's what Paul says the church is like. We're not all cookie-cutter little people. We're not all the same. The strength of the church is its diversity. The strength of the church is that we have people here who are accountants. If you had to depend on me, we'd be broke tomorrow. I can't do that. If some of these CPAs got to appear and preach, you'd be asleep in 10 minutes. Okay? So we're different. We have music guys. Look at Andrew over here. And, and all this. So, but even though we're different, and that's the strength, we are fitted together. God fits us together. It's a beautiful picture of how the church functions with unity and diversity. God's holy temple. Did you know you're holy? You feel holy? You should practice that song. Think about that. Look in the mirror and say, you belong to God. Doesn't matter if you're Jew, Gentile, black, Arab. Doesn't matter. Asian, doesn't matter. Church is the place where anyone can find love, peace, acceptance, community, help, purpose, a ministry, the purpose of helping teach kids. some other things. Beautiful thing, this thing called the church. By God's design, God created it. He created it for you. He created it for me. And you and I, as citizens of heaven, are being fitted together to form this beautiful temple. As Paul said, the place where God dwells. Amen.